This is an excerpt from Different Ways, Revealing the Feminine, by Seal, published in 2020. Chapter 25, Life in Negative Space, Part 4. Tis but a scratch. In the years I was blogging, in my writing, I was developing a voice for myself. That was my intention. I was on a mission of self-improvement spurned on by my recognizing my inability to find courage and my voice when I needed it. I've written for years. I write every morning as a way to keep myself honest and appreciative, or try to, morning pages. The blog was a step out from that in trying to write with the intention that someone might actually read what I wrote. A coherent voice was my goal, as well as some unloading and confession to practice finding some nerve to replace my seemingly endless fear of sharing my own experiences. I'm curious, not to be confused with being brave. I had too many secrets I still needed to hide to be brave. And I was evolved writing. I was beginning to wonder aloud. Nothing collapsed when I posted on my blog, and I loved the liberation I experienced doing it. I became more confident. I developed a flow. The odds of anyone of consequence actually reading my blog was pretty damn slim, and I knew that. There were millions more people writing blogs who were invested in cultivating an audience, which I had no intention of doing. So I felt fairly safe. No one was going to take issue or or interest in anything that I wrote. I was free in the internet, not unlike I was liberated in walking down the streets in a big city when I was younger, invisible and feeling invincible with the abundance of possibilities drunk on the prospect of feeling better. I loved the causality of the internet. It worked for me like music in this way. I could divine a trajectory flying through the interweb. I felt liberated in speaking my mind like never before. I felt lighter and strong enough that I thought I could deal with anyone if they gave me grief. I didn't expect, however, the writing itself to ricochet off the cosmos to double back and bum-rush me. One day, as I worked on a blog post, I was exploring the situation with this person as a past-life conundrum. I wanted to separate my feelings from the character in much the same way an alchemist gently separates one compound from another to seek a new and pure element. The goal was to neutralize my feelings regarding this person to a point I could pass him on the street and not be overwhelmed. Lofty goals, considering the recent encounter. I was determined to find a resolve to it yet again, and I thought, well, if it's a past-life thing, perhaps I can kill it off as a sad tale of separation. I wrote a tale of a child's estrangement from the mother. My imagination took flight, apparently, when suddenly 
I experienced this sharp, agonizing pain in my left arm that made me double over. The pain was horrible and piercing. It was frightening. I alerted my neighbor in case I was keeling over to die of a heart attack. He hung out with me for a while, and after a bit my anxiety subsided and the pain began to lessen. That night, when I readied for bed, I took off my shirt to discover I had a black bruise that covered my entire left arm like a sleeve. It ran from my shoulder down to the middle of my forearm. Even more distressing was the ghost of a white scar across my upper arm that looked like the gash of a sword. Holy hello, my name is Inyo Mintoya. Stigmata? It was a seriously alarming sight. My first thought was what I was writing about regarding that past life trauma when the pain hit. My second thought was that my first thought was ridiculous and I made an appointment immediately with a doctor who ran a battery of tests. That appointment ended with a shrug and... I don't know. You must have hit something and forgot. I asked about the white gash across my arm, and she said, Yeah, you'd think it'd be red, her voice trailing off. Right. I hit something. I inquired to my son, who I thought might have had some knowledge of this guy from years ago, and he could recall nothing about him. I asked of his then-girlfriend, who professed to have psychic abilities, if she got anything from the wound, and she looked at that huge hematoma like a deer in the headlights. It was a ghastly-looking black-purple-green thing. She had nothing. We had all the nothings. I put up the blog post and newly resigned to put the entire thing behind me, sensing I had crossed over into more than just one lifetime and, possibly, more than one gender, and I felt I was pressing the issue where I should not. Lives as warriors, conquistadors, and plunderers eased their way into my inquiry, muddying things up even further in my mind. This incident triggered my imagining him as my superior, a commander who I greatly respected. His anger and vengeance towards the enemy was such that he ordered us, as soldiers under his command, to mortally wound but do not kill the enemies left alive on the battlefield. He told us to let them bleed out. I took issue with this and met his blade as he chopped off my arm. Insubordination However deep the spectrum of human blood sport goes in my participation in it, I would rather not know. It could have just as easily been a reversal of those roles, but for the dynamics in the here and now, they leveraged his being an alpha personality to me in my mind, and of course, my deep fear. What I did know now was that all of this was way beyond my reach. It seemed as though there was no way out of this quandary in any route I was choosing to take. The more I wiggled, the farther I sank down into the quicksands of time. 
I was being thrown out in any way I approached things, and that denial was, perhaps, all I needed to work with. Understanding and facing this one issue just might be the point. For all I know, we have an energetic agreement to evade each other. I newly resigned to do my best to just avoid the desert southwest and any thoughts to do with the axe-wielding specter from my past. I would find the right question to ask of myself in this situation so I could heal it. To think that my future holds my crossing paths with any number of people who trigger me like this into other life traumas drives my mind into a bottomless sinkhole of anxiety, even though I know not every encounter has shorted out this way. It is not exactly encouraging as I move forward into what little life I have left to live. Mental Illness So many mysteries. What can one do and where does one go with them all? I'm aware of the psychological parameters of manic episodes. The DSM breaks its binding every year, declaring new and alarming diagnostic reviews of mental disorders, along with the PDR that is full of all kinds of pills designed to make any strong feelings anyone may have disappear. I can't bring myself to diagnose myself as disabled this way or let anyone else do so. I get caught up. I obsess. I sometimes wander into mysterious places. I get scared and anxious. I don't want my feelings to be branded as a disease and given a pill for them. I just don't believe being scared is an illness in my case. Neither is getting old or being of an independent mind, being spiritual, being focused, an incompetent socialite or inclined to solitude. For me to suppress strong feelings like I had is self-betrayal, given my history and my fight to regain my sovereignty. I need to maintain dominion over my body and my power as a female. I would have to hand myself over to a medical regimen, and I cannot abandon myself that way anymore. Those feelings are where my love and humanity live. I hold a body memory of feelings that remind me that I am capable of loving. It is my journey to hold a place of benevolence and sanctity within myself for these feelings. That's how I see it. The fact that this space within me derails and careens off into a wild ride is sad, admittedly, but it is mine. I bought the ticket. I take the consequences. It is a real shock to experience these kinds of things unexpectedly granted. And worse, because of the spiritual nature, it is so much bigger than what can be expressed. I know it is valuable to be able to feel that much life surging through you, when feelings are not reciprocated, the release is through creativity. A healing journey is employed, a spiritual questioning, a poem, a painting, or a song is born, but not necessarily a pill, not violence or self-harm. Not in my book. 
I don't mean to imply that medication is not sometimes important. What I want to stress is that calling a symptom of a disease a disease is actually life-threatening. Intention can be diverted for an entire lifetime, overriding the point of a life, just as it appears to be remembered by immediately medicating someone before discovering the source of the discomfort. Sometimes, if too wretched an imbalance occurs, violence or suicide can be idealized. By all means, stay alive, take the meds, get your bearings. But do not lose sight of the bigger picture. Do not leave off asking the question of, why are you alive? What happened? What didn't happen? And why not? Why have you taken human form? Remember why you came here. Treating a symptom is the beginning of the journey or the process point of growth. It is not home. There is no more need to settle into and make the most of disease and despair and to assume this is all there is of our stories. This needs to be made conscious. We all need to find the courage to self-validate and stay the course of our lives on our own terms. In so many ways, more than we realize, we are all complicit in our own lives and furthermore, our deaths. In my story, it's been my task to see these strong feelings through, to hold them. I didn't get to know why. I didn't even really know I was succeeding until events showed I was actually growing and healing. Some wait all their lives to be so caught up in their delicious earthly experience, and they never feel the sweep of the intensity of life, though they often feel its brush. What is life without this consciousness we experience but to bring it forward to engage in life itself? It's a crap show. Being a human, a decent one, is a real difficult endeavor in these times, especially now when all the foul aspects of thousands of years of humanity is being exhumed. We are being forced to choose, to decide, to act or react, and take the consequences. To quote an oft-tired phrase, the struggle is real. This has been the motto of my higher understanding. Not all surprises in life are welcome gifts, but they are all ours to appropriate. One should hold on for dear life to our body's voice because it is dear life. I began life holding on to the sanctity of loving someone even if they could care less about me because it was a basic human need to fill that void. My body, responding to my environment as a child, led me to music and an instinct for frequencies to help me cope and how I responded. That is pretty much my life story. That is how deep the need for inquiry, connection, and balance, my spiritual journey of today, began that far back. Each occurrence led to the next until the emergence arrived, and I was having experiences outside anything I had known or imagined existed. I had to pull up or crash. Later, I finally allowed my life to flow, and I could cultivate what was rich, validate it, and let expectations and the designs of others go. 
That is how I'm rewired. I am not the only person to do this. The jury rig to meet my needs is my response to my nurture. That is my blindness. But I know that I am blind. I know what transference is, and I know when I'm projecting. What I do with it is my responsibility. Essentially, for me, my relationships have become less about those involved and more about cultivating my experience of those relationships, right or wrong. How I am is a kind of perfection for what I am sharing here. As it turns out, this encourageability, this using of experiences of people of my life, is my nature. What is tragic of my story, what is the cautionary tale here, is self-betrayal. Given we are designers of our lives, consider the consequence when one arrives at the party of life and in the flesh decides that it's too dirty or foul an affair to participate in. While there is grace in the world for the uninitiated into higher consciousness, there is no rest for the self-betrayed who have experienced the divine and turn away from it to pretend it is not valuable so they can feel safe. I did this because I was nurtured to react this way. This was something I needed to learn about in this life. There may be a person or two that could use some validation in this. There is peace in aging and strength and acceptance in learning to understand the scope of one's life. I found astrology among other navigational tools, and I learned how to parent myself, choose differently. I forgave myself. I learned about my nature and renewed and welcomed myself accordingly. I kept notes, and I kept my love and my spirituality alive this way. I had no idea at the time this is what I was doing. I couldn't know. I told myself a story about why I was doing it. I stayed with what I felt good and natural. I stayed with my body. In the end, what my body taught me in my emergence and in the beehive, that is what prevailed. The human body holds the sacred connection to full and abundant life. This was the part of myself cultured by the kindnesses that I received in my life that sustained enough forgiveness to feed me through the hardest parts of the self-loathing and the heartbreak. There's a deep need with all humans to find an inner peace with their soul intention so that they can receive and give love. As there is no stronger medicine than kindness and tenderness in this world. Thank you.